Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. Atty, where have you been? <gasps> How on earth did you get those? I had this really clever idea. Uh, my emperor from Britain, what I meant to give you. Pure gladiator sweat. The finest anti-aging lotion in all of Rome. Not that you need it, obviously. It's a challenging aroma. Very. Notes of fresh grass and leather. Mm. I like it. It's so you. That's horsewee. Horsewee? It's so not you. You're dead. It was him. He sold it to me. Good evening and welcome to television. Hello. Hello. Hey. hey. Whoa. Whoa. I'm Philip Hunting. And I'm Wayne Stellini. Welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. <laughs> hey, Philip. Yes. What have you been watching since our last podcast? I have been watching How I Met Your Mother. Oh, okay. Classic. Yes. Uh, classic and infuriating. <laughs> um, so, Kirsten and I sat down and just binged it. Mm-hmm. And I can see why people got so frustrated with the ending and got so frustrated with this and that. I've heard this, but I've actually never seen the show. Uh, I know of the characters and the overall premise. So, limited spoilers, please. Yep. So, basically, it it follows this this man who's telling his children how I met your mother. And the biggest problem I find is that very early on, so it's not a spoiler because you're learning in the first couple of episodes. Mm. There's this woman called Robin, mm-hmm. who is throughout the entire series the will they won't they romance, but very early on you're told this is not the mother, right? Because it's, it's introduced to the children, yeah. 30, 40, 20, 30, I think is the the joke uh, time. You know, your auntie Robin, right? So she's still in the picture, but still not the, the love of and his yeah. life. So there's this whole will they, won't they sort of thing, but you're sitting there going, well, they won't they because we know that's not the mother. And the rest is sort of spoilers, but again, it's Mm. become this well-known sort of ending. My infuriation with it is that it is very good writing, yeah, very good performing, Mm. and a very good series as a whole, but the overarching story arc is terrible oh okay it's like they didn't expect to get so many seasons <laughs> it's like they kept running up to this okay well this is gonna be our last season seriously we gotta wrap this up and it just kept getting extended so is it almost a bit like lost when you're watching it you're first really intrigued about what this strange figure and monster is on the island but they drag out that one question from multiple seasons. You end up going, I really don't care. Very similar, yes. That's mm. it. Well, interestingly, Philip, I suppose your feelings about How I Met Your Mother was that it probably should have been a limited series. Mm. I recently have just finished watching a show that was intended to be a limited series mm. and went on for three seasons too <laughs> long. And so I've just finished watching the fourth and what has been said is the final season of 13 Reasons Why. And I absolutely love the first season. It's based on Jay Asher's book of the same title. It follows that book closely. It's not a, you know, word for word adaptation. It changes it up and takes liberties, but it's an adaptation. That's Mm. fine to do. And 
I would have loved 13 Reasons Why to have just been the single season. Yeah. But it just did so well and had all of these conversations going that it went for three more seasons. Season two, look, not offended by it. It's, it's actually a pretty good season. Season three is one of the most offensive <laughs> bits of television you will ever watch if you are a fan of the series. And season four does a better job at the narrative, at telling the story. But that's not hard to do when you're following a terrible, terrible season, which was season three. Season four did not need to exist, to be perfectly honest. It doesn't really give us anything that we need with these characters. And again, it didn't need to go on for the three additional seasons than what it was planned. So I I would recommend 13 Reasons Why. Season one only. Treat season two as a bonus round if you need it. <laughs> Please stop there, though. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Did they at least call season two 26 reasons? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, by the time you get to season four, there's really no reasons per se. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like I've always said, uh, um, 28 Days is great, but 28 Days Later is a weird sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've had a bit of a mixed feelings about the shows we've been watching recently, but we saw a film today. Yes. So, what are we reviewing today? Today, we're reviewing the BBC's 2019 children's comedy, Horrible Histories, the movie, Rotten Romans. Tell us about it, Janet. <laughs> Directed by Dominic Rigstock of Horrible Histories fame, Horrible Histories the movie follows Atty, Sebastian Croft, a Roman teenager with brains but no muscle, who has been sent to Britain as punishment for upsetting Emperor Nero, Craig Roberts. He is captured by Orla, Amelia Jones, a feisty Celtic warrior wannabe who idolises the Iceni warrior queen Boudicca, Kate Nash. They take an immediate dislike to each other, but eventually come to an understanding after Atty helps rescue Orla's grandmother. Orla releases Atty as a show of gratitude, but to Atty's horror, when he is returned to his regiment, he finds himself pitted against Orla and her tribe at the Battle of Watling Street, what would become Boudicca's last stand. Wayne. Philip. How did you find the Horrible Histories movie? Well, coming into this particular film, I was not hesitant, but cautious slash quietly optimistic (laughs) about what it would entail. Because we've got quite an established formula Mm. with the Horrible Histories brand. Mm. And sometimes making that transition from, you know, half an hour show Mm. to an hour and a half feature length film isn't always clean Mm. or steady particularly because of the limited viewings I've had of Horrible Histories episodes, Mm. is is that they are really centred on skits. So, you know, in a half-hour show, that's perfectly fine because, you know, you don't particularly like a skit or aren't that interested in one. You can jump to the next one and and you're okay, but there's still that linking narrative, Mm. that theme, that bit of history they're talking about. With a film, one could argue, well, you could just do that for an hour and a half. You're fine. Mm. Mm. But... 
it could sometimes also be tiring mm. because there's more room to play and thus more room for gags not to hit the mark. Mm. So I was pleasantly surprised or reiterated, <laughs> I suppose, yep, in, yep. in my hopes and dreams <laughs> for this film adaptation of Horrible Histories that it was a consistently engaging and entertaining and amusing bit of work. Mm. I didn't find it altogether laugh out loud funny as I suppose its target audience mm. of children would you know like a lot of the gags well none of the gags really made me laugh out loud to be honest but I f- found throughout it I you know had a smile on my face and there was a chuckle here a chuckle there and I kind of like that more in terms of comedies mm. don't get me wrong I'm, I'm all for the belly laughs <laughs> uh, you know and the belly aching comedies uh, but this is really clever I feel and it's always a testament to the Horrible Histories team mm. who put a lot of effort into presenting history into entertaining engaging and informative chunks because even somebody like myself who has a background in history studies is not an expert i am always referring to textbooks to websites to documentaries to refresh be like mm. yes i know that name i have a fair idea of of where they sort of sit in history but you know, what did they really do or what was their downfall or Mm. were they really like that? Was that more the myth that Hollywood Mm. has perpetrated or was it something else? So something like Horrible Histories is great for me Mm. as well as an adult, really. Uh, So yeah, I did did enjoy it. There was one thing that I particularly, um, if I was going to, you know, throw a major flaw at this film or criticism about was that for a, a piece of entertainment that represents history and is, you know, as satirist as it is it's still presenting a history lesson that is its intention yeah is that we do have a lack of of dates and time frame throughout the film yep so one of the things that it does amusingly and and quite cleverly to show the progression of Boudicca's army and followers if you will is have a bit of a countdown board Mm. or count up board I should say Mm. to show that and of course that's played with as a gag at one point that's really effective Mm -hmm. (laughs) we've seen it in Looney Tunes before but I don't care it gets me every time and it's funny but I don't know how many days months years it took Boudicca to amass such a following um, you know the the timeline of things no, you, isn't clear. You're yeah, definitely right. So it looks like it's happening over a week. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. And I admit that is something mm. that is definitely. I'm not sure I'd go as far to call it an issue, but it is mm. definitely. A problem, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't like, know if it's an issue or a problem, but it is an issue or a problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, I, I kind of would sway more to, to, to issue, I suppose, mm. um, without putting too much of a fine point of it. But I think it's because one of the things that's really drummed into history is that dates are important. Yeah. Now, it's not the be-all and end-all. Personally, I find the people more important yeah. in history. But if we don't know the dates we can't appreciate the context of what they were doing and where they were because the film's great with geography. It tells us where we are, you know, humorously too. So I just feel like if you're having a board of followers whacking a date on there, I mean, because I think for, again, a show that's really focused on pointing out little extrinsicities and pointing out little nuances of people and history, and the film does this too really well, it seems like a very simple detail yeah. to, to overlook. It's almost like, okay, well, that's 
History 101. Yeah. And one thing also, if I want to talk about criticisms, and I'm getting these out of the way because yeah, these, yeah, are, yeah. these are really my only two of the film, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't have a lot of criticisms about this film. Yeah. Is that Rattus doesn't appear throughout the movie. Yeah. So that's one of the trademarks of the TV show, is that Rattus will appear with a little, you know, little plaque that says true, mm. um, and sometimes even explanations when really weird things happen. Mm. Because I'll be honest, and this is probably naive of me, I'm putting my hand up for it, is that when Horrible Histories presents stuff as out there and weird as it is and as uh, as funny as they make it, I believe it. Yeah. I absolutely Actually, believe it. Yes. I, I think I felt this was a major flaw as well, mm. that the rat in the series, it's really good because you get this... He'll come up and put up his little sign, true. Yeah. And then if when they're telling a joke straight yeah. after that, they'll have him come out and put up his sign, silly. Yeah. So it shows, lets kids know, yes, we are in a comedy here. We are mm. playing a comedy, but these comedic things are hilarious. When you mix that up too much, mm. you start having issues. Now, even us as adults sit there and go, okay, wait, so was this yeah. legit? It's almost like they have to, for this sort of movie... Get rid of the quote-unquote jokes. Mm. Get rid of the silly. Yes. And just play the truth for laughs. Yeah, and because I find Radis is such an advantage and is important to the viewing and enjoyment Mm. experience because when something outrageous happens, for example, like, you know, the killing with a poisoned feather. Mm. Yeah. Now I accepted that as fact Mm. and it's explained later. Yes, that was actually true. The way that it's depicted on screen, having Redis appear with a placard saying true actually enhances the gag because whilst it's true, they still play it. As a joke. Yeah. So for me, the way that they've actually just put him in the credits, explaining that some of these particular items were in fact true, it's like telling the punchline way too late. Yeah. And also, he's playing it to the to the music that's playing over the credits. That music is way, way too, too loud. loud. You can barely hear him or understand yeah. him. So his entire presence is almost redundant, really, yeah. I feel. And that's unfortunate because I'm watching some of this stuff. As I said, when Horrible Histories present stuff, I don't care how out there it is, I'm inclined to believe it. Yeah. So when you've I... got the collection of Gladiator Sweat and I'm going to put horse urine instead... I had it, Phil, and please, if you know this, tell me. <laughs> I had it in the back of my head. Did people actually, back in the day, pedal horse urine and say it was gladiator sweat because people thought it was this amazing and concoction? This is, and, and this is the problem because I know for a fact that they pedaled gladiator sweat. Yeah. But I have no idea if they actually, you know, had a, had a, had a way to be like, no, 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 this is definitely 100% genuine. Or whether there were snake... Oil charms, yeah. selling urine yeah. or, or just salt water. Or, yeah. I have no idea how much. It'd actually be really interesting because I'm trying to go through my head now, almost the movie frame by frame, and <laughs> go, you know, I'd like to go through every moment and go history, history, joke, history. Yeah, history, absolutely. Just to see how it adds up. And how great would it have been to, again, just have Radis pop up every now and then, even without explanations, well, but just... A single word yeah. <laughs> from him. The only way I could see not using Radis to do that mm. is if your movie did not have jokes. And when I say not yeah. have jokes, still be a comedy, still be funny, mm. but didn't have anything made up. Everything, yes. 
might be heightened. Like, say the chicken, reading the chicken. Sort yeah. Of thing. And he says, so just a normal Tuesday then. Yeah. And then someone comes out and says, where's my chicken? Not here. Yeah. You know, that part's fine because that's a joke, but it's not referencing a historical. No. But the ch- killing the chicken and reading the guts is. Yes. But then. But so you can, differ- to- you can differentiate. Exactly. Like you can say, oh, that's clearly a historical thing. And they've just added gag yeah. after it. Exactly. So that's fine. Yeah. But. It'd be interesting to sit down and properly look at it because right now I cannot tell what. For all I know, there are no mm. outside gags. Yeah. For all I know, there are no. As I said, I, t- I take I take everything yeah, as fact here. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Exactly. So it'd actually be good to rewatch it. <laughs> no, uh, but to go through and check that, yeah. check it, see where it is. Because even if there is one, if there were n- was nothing out there that could not be contextualised as yeah. outside the fourth wall, as it were, or outside the whatever, yeah. then that's great, that's fine. But if there's even one joke, then you need something in there to yeah. be able to say it. Yeah, so again, for me, the, I suppose, issues or problems I had with this film, there aren't many, mm. but just even discussing them briefly with you now, they're actually major issues, which is mm. unfortunate yeah. because the team deliver good work here. Yes, yes. Yeah. One thing on that with the team, what you might notice mm. is that apart from Rattus, there's actually no one in this cast who was from the original Horrible Histories TV series. Wow, okay. So is there any general reason for that? Is it big budget, big names? I can only assume that. There's nothing that's been said. Mm. So Horrible Histories went through this thing where at season five they finished and they even did this huge goodbye song. Yeah. And then it came back for season six with some of the cast. Right. And But even season six was... Big names. Yeah. It was, you know, um, Rowan Atkinson playing Henry VIII. It was, you know, there were big names. Like a lot of cameos throughout. Yeah, a lot yeah. of uh, historic, uh, big name cameos, yeah. as it were. So it's sort of that almost then wasn't horrible histories to some people. Mm. The director of this movie, Dominic Brigstock, is actually the guy who directed Horrible History's TV show from season two to four. Okay, golden era. Golden era, exactly, (laughs) exactly. So one of the criticisms of this film is actually that the cast of Horrible History's TV show went away and made a film called Bill, Mm -hmm. which, whilst not historically accurate, it was actually a fictional take, but this fictional take on an alternate history of Bill Shakespeare... William Shakespeare. Yeah, William Shakespeare. Sorry, yeah. Um, good old Bill. And yeah. But so many people have said that because they had the cast, mm. even though it was a different writer, different producer, not historically accurate, yeah. you still had that feeling. You still had that... It was almost like an adult horrible history. You couldn't help but connect the two exactly. together. Exactly. It's like and- when the team who made A Fish Called Wanda several years later, made Fierce Creatures. You initially think, oh my goodness, it's a sequel, the team's back together. No, just same team, same cast, totally different characters and yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. But you still have that feeling oh, of, this ab- is absolutely. The, what I came here. Yeah. And so you, there is a lot of, there are a lot of people who have said, yeah, this is, this is sort of like Horrible Histories, the brand, mm. but not Horrible Histories, the show. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? One critic mm. actually uh, met talking about that Wendy Idol gave the film two out of five stars simply because she felt that without the actors, you had a loss 
of the punchy hit rate of gung-ho gross out that made the series such a deliciously uncouth pleasure. <laughs> but that's it. It, it. This does feel a lot, cl- even though there is still a bit of gore, but whatever. Yeah. But there is, it does kind of lose a bit of its charm. It does lose yeah. a bit of its grace. It's not nice, but it's true. Sort of, <laughs> right. sort of feel. Sort yeah. Of so as someone, Philip, who has more of an affinity to this series than I do, because again, I've only had limited exposure to episodes and to skits, uh, you know, I'm not as connected mm. or emotionally or, or personally invested yeah, in the yeah, cast yeah. or the team, I suppose. So for you, is it as much of an issue? Like uh, you've said, it's it's a bit of a cleaner version, even though there are vomit and feces mm. jokes and urine mm. jokes, uh, but it's still cleaner than usual, yeah. I suppose. How do you feel? I get a little bit torn mm. because on one hand, I love this. Uh, just it's almost like a, a who's who of British celebrity, yeah, that a, a comedic celebrity in this uh, show. Yeah. But I do sit there and go, it would have been nice to see. It would have mm. been nice to have. It actually would have been nice to have some of the skits from direct, almost directly lifted from. Imagine having a a battle or something, or or having a part where you know where the mother gets killed. Mm. And then we cut to uh, a, a run of stupid deaths. Right, you know I mean? yeah. You, you cut to her in, in, in Roman hell and, mm. you know, death comes out going, you know, ooh, how'd you die? You know what I mean? <laughs> that link to... It would have made it a little bit more surreal maybe, but... But feels like the brand that we that's know. It, that's right. it, exactly. You, you have these things where they do cut away to like a yeah. mock-up of a TV report. Yes. Well, we had... TV characters on yeah. on this show. We had a time traveling reporter. I mean, imagine if he'd made an appearance, yeah. sort of thing. And I think I'm seeing where you're coming from because we have a version of that in this film, but it doesn't feel so surreal because yeah. it's in the context of what's happening. I mean, yes, we've got a new scroll appearing yeah. in front of us, but it's kind of like well. Big, big, it's not that yeah, surreal, you know, really. She's, we've got a reporter, but she's using like a thistle for a yes. for a microphone, and it feels silly because it's obvious that this isn't actually being shown to anyone. Yeah, but it's not surreal. It's not. It doesn't feel like she's actually breaking the fourth wall. I have yeah, to be well, like, it. even though like I knew she was talking to us mm. because you're right. There's no sort of cutaway, or there's no major jump. Yeah. To, to something else. Because you want to, for that to be effective, you want to feel jarred by it. That's it. So yeah. then when you return, you're, okay, safe, I really was taken somewhere else. We don't get that feeling here. So even though she was breaking the fourth wall, I didn't personally feel it because it felt too clean. Does yes. that make sense? Yes. Yeah. It wasn't so much of an issue for me, but perhaps a missed opportunity. Yes. And again, it just would have been really nice to see mm. the original a th- cast. A I throwback. A throwback. So the cast do bill. They also do another series called Ghosts, which is essentially, yeah, there's this haunted house Mm. and they're all ghosts from different eras and they're all sort of, they're not good ghosts. As in they're not good at being ghosts. (laughs) Um, I know like one of them has the ability to move objects Mm. like a poltergeist, but it takes so much energy and it's so hard for him that he can like, I remember one of the scenes, he sort of pushes this vase, you know, in his head. He's got to push it down and it's going to scare these new occupants. But he moves it like half an inch. (laughs) Um, There's another one who does 
eerie noises, but it just sort of comes out to people in the real world as sounding like someone's doing construction across the road. Right. So it's just <laughs> annoying more than <laughs> spooky and eerie. So they're not good at their jobs. You have this team that's so comedically minded and so historically, I mean, even with these fictional pieces, they try to represent their historical bits as accurately as possible. Mm. To then not use them for horrible history, the movie. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, it, it's sort of like to me, like having a Star Wars and going, oh, by the way, no Luke, <laughs> yes, or no Skywalker. Yeah, you know what I mean. It, it's like saying, oh, this is the Tom and Jerry show. By the way, no mice. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's, yeah, so you feel something's work. lacking here. Yeah, yeah. Most certainly. yeah. I mean, the film is definitely you know a bigger scale, a bit more. Mm. I mean, and that's okay. I mean, it's a big screen adaptation. But it doesn't really mean that you have to lose any essence of its source material. We've seen adaptations before from TV Mm. to film. And the number one thing that we are looking for is our favorite characters doing what they do best. So whilst this is a little bit different because they play different characters all the time... We still want that familiarity That's of, the fa- of the familiar faces. So, That's it. yeah, I appreciate where you're coming from. And to be honest, even with that idea of different characters, quite often, every time it would go to Caligula, for example, mm. it was the one guy playing Caligula. Which makes sense. The, another guy would always do Nero. I mean, he would have been hilarious as Nero in this. Yeah. They missed a trick with that, I think. They mm. really missed it. And again, I don't know whether. They set out to be like, no, nah, we're not using any of the cast. Or were they asked the cast and the cast were just like, I'm sorry, contracts. Well, I was going to say, had the cast really just moved on by this stage? Yeah, they might have. You know, if they're doing so. other work together, they're sort of work as a team. Yeah. And maybe it's a, well, it's only going to be, you know, it's one, it's all or nothing type thing. Yeah, one person is doing Very possible. So it could not be, not be the producer's sort of issue. After saying all of that, yeah. this movie still to me... Like we're talking about, oh, the essence and this. Yeah. It still feels like a horrible history movie. Oh, I agree. And I think for me, especially, one of the advantages is that if you actually read the books mm. versus watching the TV series, there are crossovers. The artwork, the cartoons yeah. are the same cartoons as what's in the books mm. and the drawing. But it is still very much two separate beasts. Yeah. And they've intentionally done different enough Mm. to allow people not to go, oh, but that's not what the book said, or that's not what... So, or even to allow them to go outside of what's in the books. (laughs) So, I think the advantage there is that because horrible history fans, those of us who grew up with the books as children, Mm. watched the series as teenagers, young adults, and (laughs) now as adults come into this movie, we've seen enough change up to go, okay... That's its own thing. That's its own thing. This is its own thing. It's got enough horrible histories, enough of the humor, enough Mm. of the the premises, enough of the stuff that you can go, yeah, this is still what we're looking at. Yeah, well, again, as somebody whose uh, experiences with horrible histories is uh, more limited than yours, Philip, I still felt like... I was watching horrible histories. Mm. Yeah, it didn't feel too different, except for you know the two main issues that I said at the top of the show. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and really, I really wanted and expected Radis to be appearing. But after a few minutes, when there's enough sort of oddities presented here, you, you would go, "Oh, okay, Radis isn't actually rocking yeah. up," which then made me 
scratch my head a little bit mm. when we first have characters break out into song. Mm. So I know this type of entertainment and, and this type of uh, breakup of narrative, I suppose, or breather from just the straight dialogue mm. or skit work. It happens in horrible histories. They do yeah. have, uh, you know, song moments. So at first it felt a bit strange, but really by the by the end of it and on reflection, I actually appreciated it. Mm. Um, you know, at first you go, well, they're not really adding anything to the narrative. It's just more played for humor or for gags. Mm. But it worked for me, yeah. and it actually worked to just break it up that little bit as well. So you know, in terms of the music, I think that was something that they they got right. Most certainly. And I think this is also, though, indicative. It comes back to that. For me, it's like, well, you had the music. Because, again, every Horrible Histories episode has at least one song, Mm. usually two. Right. So I do sit there and I go, how can you bring that convention in it? Mm. But then leave out Rattus for the most part. Or leave out Stupid Deaths. Yeah. Leave out uh, one big thing that I've been sort of... Uh, uh, ignoring for a, um, for a moment, but where's the theme tune? <laughs> right. This is owned by the BBC. This is done by the BBC, owned by the BBC. It's not like they don't... Well, theoretically, I can't see why not, but I can't see why they don't have the rights to the theme yeah. tune. How did they miss either throwing the theme tune at the front yeah, or at least using musical elements you know mm. u- using the the tune yeah or rewriting the song yeah. for you know the 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 um rotten romans yeah so maybe phil it's it links to something you were saying a bit earlier maybe they just really wanted it to be its own thing mm. like how the books are its own thing the show is its own thing now the film is its own mm. thing maybe they were creating a new template for what a Horrible Histories movie should look like. Maybe they're anticipating more films to come. Very, very much maybe. I just... It does throw me a little bit because you have this... You know, the the title Mm. itself is written out in that Rotten Romance. Like, they could have even... Even if they didn't have the whole theme tune, Mm. there's a little musical trill for... You know, when when they have Rotten Romans come on to the, the, the in the series, you know, they do yeah. trumpet. Yeah. And then going, Rotten Romans. Yeah. That would have been nice, maybe. Yeah. Or, or, you know, when they're, even if they're just calling out uh, Nero, you know, uh, just having the people go, <laughs> as maybe a bit of a uh, homage or... Yeah, a bit of a throwback. Yeah. But I, I did miss the fact that they didn't put the music in there yeah. because as much as I'm saying yes maybe they're trying to make it their own thing you still need to go but this is still horrible histories yeah in saying that um, I'm just thinking about some of the older as in like you know 1970s and mm. early 80s adaptations mm. of TV shows into films and not, not many yeah. put it put it in in, in the uh, opening titles mm. or, or play it at all in the film so I don't know maybe that's just a British style choice. Mm, maybe. Yeah, maybe. No. To be frank though, mm. thinking about those myself, mm. I know that when I've seen that happen in the past. Are you disappointed it, every time? Yeah, yeah that's same. It. Yeah, that's it. So maybe, I agree, maybe I agree. that's just me going, okay, maybe it's a convention. But I'm still disappointed. Well, because, <laughs> yeah, no, because the thing is though, right? Yes, it's a film. Yes, we've gone to the cinema to see it on the big screen. But if you're a fan, mm. you're viewing this 
in canon. I mean, that's it. It's it's the same thing like with the Simpsons film. Mm. It plays with the opening. It gives us the opening music. You know, plays with yeah. it a little bit, but it's there. It's there. And then the season that follows the release of the film has a bit of a throwback because in the opening titles, they're repairing Springfield because yeah. it was damaged yeah. in the movie. So, yeah, so I, yeah, I absolutely get um, it. I remember when I saw Doctor Who... Uh, 50th anniversary okay they did that they had a cinema viewing and I went and saw it in the cinema yeah. and yeah it was amazing to have the Doctor Who theme blasted in yeah. surround <laughs> now it is a bit different there again because that was also being aired on television as a normal episode right yeah but you had the opportunity to see it in the absolutely cinema. yeah like a little five minute pre-title uh, okay. they just did like the two doctors sort of talking to you and being like now if you're seeing this in 3d yeah. <laughs> that's cute yeah but the but even then look at star wars when you go into a midnight showing on star mm. wars and you hear everyone the anticipation mm. for the theme and then it blasts mm-hmm. out and you just, you have half the crowd going, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. It's powerful. It's amazing. Yeah. It's annoying for the other half it's of the crowd. It's annoying for the other half <laughs> of the crowd. Uh, no, but that's it. You, you get this yeah. thing that I think they could have had. Because it's on brand. So if you're going to the, yeah. to the cinema to see Horrible Histories, and I know you love that theme song. Oh, I, I know you love it. I know you know the lyrics. This is not an invitation, <laughs> no, 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 Philip. No, no. But, but... That's something you, you actually want to maybe sing along to or, or bounce off to in the cinema. Yeah, I get and, it. And even if you don't want to open with it, put it in the credits. Yeah, you I know think what so mean? too. Throw it in the yeah. credits as a bit, again, a bit of an homage. It's, it's a one minute piece, not even that 30 yeah. second piece. Well, didn't even Sam Raimi's Spider-Man in the closing credits play the theme song to yeah. the cartoon Spider-Man series back in the day? It was yeah. just, and I mean, it didn't have to. Yeah. It's not like it was a, an animated feature film. But it was, hey, you know, we acknowledge the, this legacy that we are a part of and this brand yeah. because it's so iconic, just as the Horrible Histories one is, especially for its fan base. Mm. Yeah. Now, there is one last thing I want to touch on, mm-hmm. and this is a bit more, when I say opinionated in the sense that <laughs> it, I want to touch on what I think the film plays a bit with in its commentary, social commentary. Okay, so this is your op-ed. Yes, this is an <laughs> But I have a funny feeling this movie, in a sense, is actually talking about imperialism and empire. Right. And if you take it in that vein, there's actually a lot of parallels to our own history in Australia, the British, you know, the British Empire. At one point, the one of the, um, uh, I, I think it's Atty is talking to Ola mm. and says, she says, oh, what's so great about the Romans? Mm. And he goes, the Roman Empire? You don't hear of a British Empire? <laughs> and there's a lot of this stuff, including the outro song, right. which is all about working together. Yes. Let's live together. Let's work together. Let's gloss over the fact that we were just killing each other. Let's try to work together now. Let's just forget about this other stuff. And it's almost a tongue-in-cheek sort of... I don't think they're actually endorsing let's forget about the past, but they're... Well, not if you're making fun of it. That's it, exactly. In a very jolly jolly jig. But they are sort of almost mocking this idea of forgetting the past, glossing over it. But they're also saying... 
but we are better together. Even though we need to acknowledge the past, we are now, due to circumstance, better together. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is a very interesting take on, again, a lot of the stuff that's happening at the moment where we're Mm. looking at our past and going... Well, you know, what was right, what was wrong, Yeah. what do we do about it now? Yeah. So overall, Phil, do you think that uh, the Horrible Histories movie has an anti-imperialism, anti-monarchy, if you will, point of view? I'm not sure it actually takes a definitive stance, mm. but I do think that it is trying more so to say, look, we need to look at this for what it is. Mm. It's that, it's that attitude of, and again, I'm not endorsing these views right this moment, but it is kind of that attitude of, well, what do you want to do about it mm. sort of thing. Oh, you you came in here, you know, the British to India. It's like, well, you came into India and you took away my culture and you mm. took away this. And then someone turned around and saying, well, yeah, but you've got refrigerators. Mm. You, you know what I mean? It's that they play a lot with that, you know, the, the Celts saying, oh, you took away our way of life, you took away our, who we are, you, and then the Romans saying, yes, but we gave you roads, we gave you aqueducts, we gave yeah. you language. Yeah. There's always, when it comes to imperialism, this sort of, this balance, this, this conflict between... It's a tug of war, isn't it? It is this tug yeah. of war, and we're seeing it now. You do have a lot of people. Let's talk about for a second the first peoples of Australia, mm. how there is this... And again, I'm not endorsing mm. what I'm about to say here, but there is a rhetoric of going, oh, so what do you want? Do you want to you know, just go back and take away all these cities and take away all the... Mm. There is kind of that push and pull. Mm. On one hand, yes, what happened was appalling, mm. was, was indefensible, unexcusable, horrendous. On the other hand, you, know, you, you can go, well, we've now got technologies, mm. we've now got this, we've now got that. So that's sort of what they're showing here, that Britain had very similar thing for themselves. The Celts, mm. who were seen by the Romans as uneducated, uncivilized, etc., got all this good stuff from the Romans, but does that justify mm. the bloodshed, the, the, the forcing of culture to be destroyed, the iron fist rule mm. of the Roman Empire? Is more quote-unquote luxuries, more quote-unquote technology, advancement, civilization, quote-unquote, justified, mm-hmm. worth it for the bloodshed, the, 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 the horrendous stuff that preceded it. Yeah, I wonder if uh, such a conversation, and conversations are important, mm. especially about such matters, but I wonder if sometimes conversations like that can do more harm than good. Mm. And what I mean by that is we should never, you know, as the song sort of mm. uh, cheekily says, gloss over the past, yeah. we should never do that. We always need to acknowledge our collective histories, mm. our collective cultures and where we are. Because I think what that does is that that helps us come to peace and to reconcile. Mm. So, you know, I think that, that that to and fro, as you say, there is rhetoric out there. Oh, but we gave you this, that, and the yeah. other. I don't think that helps mm. because you're then justifying. And I feel like the maybe more proactive and productive way of approaching is we acknowledge that this, this happened. Mm. We, we acknowledge this is where we are now. Mm. How do we acknowledge what has happened? How do we come to terms with that? 
how do we be respectful of one another's histories, mm. the ugliness, the wrongdoings, and how do we now move forward together? It's that old black armband approach mm. to, to to history versus, you know, what is it, the white blindfold yeah, or, yeah. you know, the terminologies are. Again, if you, like, pick sides, I mean, surely this is where grey, <laughs> the grey yeah, area could be the most helpful because one of the interesting things I found in this film, at least one of the visual gags and why I was leaning to ask this question, Phil, one mm. of the reasons, was because we've got a reference and a gag that parodies Banksy, yeah. who is about rebellion and yeah. critiquing uh, Western culture and Western society about progress, mm. if you will, or what we now call as being uh, technological and mm. industry advances and so forth, mainly linking to capitalism and mm. consumerism. But you can't have capitalism and consumerism without the aforementioned industrial pro- uh, progresses yeah. and, and revolutions and so forth. So I do find that quite interesting, but it does almost feel like you can't have one without the other. Mm. Like you, not saying, not saying, let's take sides and rah rah rah. Yeah. It just seems to be the way that human history has always yes. been. So coming to peace with as best we can, mm. and being respectful of the different lenses. And I think one of the good things it does. So I find, and again, I, I'm going to head down a very political path for a second. That's totally unlike totally you, Philip. Unlike off, it's <laughs> off brand. It's just not. Uh, but the one of the things I do find is that a lot of people that you know cry out, you know, oh, but we gave you this, or oh, mm. what do you want to do? Do you want to go? Are very scared that there's going to be some form of you know if. If they win, then we'll be kicked off our, you know, we'll be sent back to England or something like yeah. that, which is an extreme, but that's sort of this thing. But I think people what, with privilege and power are terrified of losing, losing it. it. But I think what this also kind of points at, if you think about the fact that, yeah, this has happened in Britain, mm. which was to become an imperial power itself, mm. it kind of almost sheds a light on everything's kind of going to be okay. Depends on who you are. Well, it depends on who you are, but I mean, if you look at it historically, the Celts never died out. Mm. The, the, everyone assimilated and they they became... So again, it depends on how you see what you see as yeah. whatever, but everyone in Britain moved on. Mm. So time passed and yeah. Britain stopped being the Romans and the Celts and became the British. Yeah. That wouldn't have I've, happened, though, had Rome not fell. But that's also kind of, I think, part of... The process. Part of the process. I mean, yeah. I don't feel... And maybe not enough time has passed, so mm. I'm very much saying this with a grain of salt. Mm. But I don't feel that given enough generations, someone that's lived in India who was, you know, had colonial, was British heritage, but has lived in India for a hundred generations, aren't going to call themselves British, Mm. British Indian. Right. So it's sort of like for me, and to keep that parallel, the British Empire fell. Mm. Over time, 
everyone and going down the path, the right, well, the right path. I mean, going heading down a path of trying to work together and live together and live mm. in the the society that we have built. Things will eventually, will you know, look at Australia. Eventually, touch wood, hopefully, etc., mm. etc. We can all look at ourselves and just go, we are Australian, mm. and that means less of the colour of your skin and more of who we are as a nation and a people. Yeah. It's an ideal to to aim for. And I honestly think given enough time, it almost just happens automatically. Mm. Not in anyone's one lifetime, but again, if you look at the Celts and Romans, no one would say you're Roman, you're Celtic. Yeah. You'd say you're British. Right. And then over time, you know, the next powers go who rise and fall and you go, okay, well, you're... This, I don't think anyone in China is talking about, well, your, you know, your heritage was Mongolian. Yeah, no, Mongol is still there, but you know what I mean? Yeah. No one's saying, oh, but you're part of the Khan. Mm. And I, yes, I don't think much a, choice in China, to be well, honest. Well, not much choice in China, mm. but you, you know what I mean? Over time, mm. and again, that's not me also trying to say, oh, we don't have to talk about it, it'll be Roger Rain. Mm. But it does sort of give a bit of a happy feeling of, well, if we just keep striving to work together and to understand each other's cultures and yeah. understand who we're living with, time will heal that wound and time will... And do you think that final song in the film endorses or parodies that that notion or that thought process? I think it endorses with a little bit of cynicism. Mm. So it still sits there and says, you know, the whole, oh, let's gloss over the fact we were just fighting each other. Yeah. That's the parody. That's the laughing at, that's the saying, hey, we still need to talk about this. Mm. We've still got some stuff to discuss. Yeah. But it's saying essentially, look, let's just try to work together and let's just try to uh, 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 assimilate. Assimilate's got such a dirty tone to it Mm. these days. But when I say that, I mean... Let's learn each other's cultures. Let's uh, uh, become one as a people instead mm. of saying, instead of looking at our differences. Yeah. And then it's also then saying, oh, and let's forget what we're doing it before. Ha ha ha. And the reason I think that part's the parody is because they say it openly. They say, yeah. let's forget the killing. Let's forget the this. Yeah. Let's forget the bloodshed. So I think it's parodying and mocking imperialism and Mm. the idea of how you get there and saying, yeah, this is bad. But now that we're here, let's make the best of it. Let's, instead of causing more bloodshed and instead of causing more harm, let's try to build the best with what we've now got, Mm. which I think is a very strong attitude. Not easy. No, it's not easy. (laughs) It is, I suppose, about looking forward and trying to have some form of of reconciliation Mm. and unity. That's it, yeah. yeah. But you're right. Easy? No. No. Happens in a generation? Absolutely not. But can it happen? I think with the right momentum and attitude, why not? I'm an optimist. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. So, with all that in mind... (laughs) Yes. uh, Wayne, final thoughts and score out of five. Well, Philip, I'm glad that with horrible histories and the movie Rotten Romans uh, we were able to solve all the world's problems (laughs) but (laughs) in terms of the film itself Redan Productions does not endorse any of these (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, however, um, in, in terms of the film, I enjoyed this movie. Look, I, I did have some issues with it, and those issues are big issues, mm. such as the lack of, of dates throughout the film and, of course, the uh, absence of, of Radis. However, it wasn't enough for me to to resent the film or, yeah. or you know, or, or what the filmmakers were doing. I'm probably more easy easy to forgive uh, some of its missteps because whilst I, I'm aware of this brand and this franchise and I do, do enjoy it, I've read mm. some of the books, I've seen a bit here and there from the, the show, I, I'm not such a um, devotee to it. Mm. So I, I, I did actually find this consistently amusing. Maybe deep down there's a part of me that's grateful that it was a bit cleaner <laughs> than the TV show. The key element here, besides you know a lot of the humour w- w- was effective and there's some really interesting facts and I'm taking them as facts and I'm sure people who are a lot more uh, you know history savvy than me are laughing at me now <laughs> for being so naive and, and gullible and, and foolish. But the, the main thing that actually made this film successful were the performances of Amelia Jones and Sebastian Croft as mm. Orla and Addie. I love these two so much. They are the perfect thread to pull the narrative together. Yeah. They're introduced separately and they're just such great characters. And when they meet, uh, you know, for the first time and she's captured him, you know how it's going to pan out. And you don't care because it's what you want to see. And it's done so well. Mm. It's very... Because they're so young, it feels like this really sweet puppy love. Yeah. And these two performances, these two actors are just gorgeous. And they're just so lovely to to play off one another and what they do with the material. They're so likable. They're a wonderful window into this broader, hectic gross absurd world (laughs) and for me they are the reason why this film is the success that it is i know that we talked about the difference in in casting from the show to the film but they've made these casting choices and it's worked so well amelia jones sebastian croft i'm going to do my best to remember their names and watch them in any other films or tv Mm. they have done because i cannot emphasize enough how good these two are the rapport they have with one another Mm. but again just when they've got their own scenes how strong they are Mm. they absolutely pull all attention onto themselves because they're so likable and so talented they have fun with the material um they're they're just keen enthusiasm and investment in here so i think they bring a lovely energy to this movie because again for me it wasn't necessarily laugh out loud funny but the humor was clever and it was well done i do like the production values Mm. of this film i think it's quite strong i don't know how much it would sustain a young audience because it probably isn't as uh, you know as zippy and, and, and and as punchy as the tv series but for myself, as an adult who has an interest in history and who loves uh, seeing movies, it was a really well-made, engaging, and constantly amusing piece. So four stars from me on this one. Very nice. Well, for myself, I actually, uh, through the the discussions we've just had, my opinion's gone down. On no, <laughs> well, no, no, yeah, it, it's the more I've sort of thought about the what ifs. Yeah. The more I've sort of thought about, well, yeah, it isn't mm. a horrible histories 
movie without the cast, mm. the skits, the characters. Mm. So for me, I yeah, I absolutely love the aesthetics of it all. Mm. I do love how it, it, it shows the Celts and the Romans so very mm. differently and pointed out just how different the cultures were for the time mm. and how that assimilation was difficult. Um, I mean, okay, putting uh, columns in a uh, wattle <laughs> hut wasn't a thing, but you do have like Londanium, Bath. Mm. Bath is actually the entire city in the Bath in Britain is actually a heritage site because so much of the, so many of the buildings, so much of the actual foundation of the city is still original from Roman times. Wow. So, and you can actually see there when you go to Bath, the transition from mm. Celtic to Roman. Mm. Um, such a massive sort of thing there. I love how this did show history for a younger audience. And to be honest, probably not as... Uh, whereas Hobble Histories does have a few adult mm. jokes or adult sort of themes. Like this, the music is almost always a sort of uh, 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 homage to a actual band. Right. Or an actual... Um, like there's Charles Dickens is done in Morrissey. So like Morrissey, because he is seen, Charles Dickens is sort of seen as this sort of emo-esque, yeah. <laughs> you know, everything's so sad and my childhood was miserable. And so mm. they make him sing in a Morrissey style. Yeah, it makes sense. There's a Luddite song, in which it makes them, I forget the actual band, but it's one of these sort of thrash metal sort of bands, because the Luddites were all about smashing up looms and destroying as much as they could because they're scared of technology. Um, so they make it sort of this punk rock sort of, yeah, fight the system sort of uh, thing. Whereas this, I feel, missed, apart from like some one-liners, mm. it missed a lot of stuff for the adults. Yeah. Like for me, there were lines like, you know, uh, the aforementioned, you know, British Empire, I've never heard of that. Mm. Um, or, you know, oh, London's burning. I hope that doesn't happen again. <laughs> a few throwaway lines like that. But other than that, there's not a lot for the adults. And it is seemingly aimed for younger children. Whereas Horrible Histories was aimed for middle-aged children to young teenagers to young adults. Right. And... So for me, the age bracket mm. is totally off yeah. for a horrible histories movie. Yeah. After saying that, I yeah, I love the performance. I love mm. the uh, writing. Is I think generally on point. I think yeah, there could have been some more uh, gross jokes, but <laughs> I just like that. So yeah. <laughs> But all in all, just because it doesn't feel like a horrible histories movie mm. to me, I can only give it. Three stars. Right. So, Wayne. Yes, Philip. What have we got in store for next time? Well, Philip, you and I are connoisseurs of tea. Yes. <laughs> we, love, we love a hot cup of tea. Yes. I will take coffee, though. Oh. Yes. But only if that coffee looks like Pam Greer. So, next time... We are looking at the classic black exploitation movie, 
Coffee from 1973. Very nice. I look forward to uh, seeing it. Wonderful. I look forward to revisiting that with you and we'll see how we go. Yes. (laughs) So until then, I've been a Wayne Stellini. And I've been a Philip Hunting. And And you've you've just just experienced experienced Fred Watch. Cue music. Bum, 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 bum. Ba-dum. Gory stories we supply. And your... Oh, that's the other one. That's all right. There's one they did for uh, Comic Relief where they actually got Stephen Fry in and it goes, Gory stories we supply and your host is Stephen Fry. Philip, I love it. Philip, you had one job. (laughs) Get out. Horrible histories and scene. (laughs) Good job, mate. Blooper reel. Directed by Dominic Bridgestock of Horrible Histories fame, Horrible Histories, the movie, follows Attie, Sebastian Croft, a Roman teenager with brains but no muscle. When sent... Ooh, I've written that poorly. Um, <clears throat> oh, no, it's, uh, no you've, I mean, you've written it fine. It's just how you've, you've um, spoken it. So if you treat a Roman teenager with no brains and but no with brains but no muscle as brackets, yeah. try reading it that way. The tone might be different. Follows Atty when sent. Should when be gone? Okay, so maybe who who has been sent? Yep. Thank you. Yeah, that that works better at least for yeah because yeah. especially with the bracket bracket. Yeah. True. Yeah. Bridge, Brigstock, Brigstock. He is captured by Orla, or Orla, Orla. He is captured by Orla, Emily. Jo- he is captured by Orla, Amelia Jones, a feisty Celtic warrior wannabe who idolizes the Iceni warrior queen Boudica, Kate Nash. They take an immediate dislike to each other, but eventually come to an understanding after Atty helps rescue Orla's grandmother. Orla rescues Atty. Phil, is yeah. it? Orla. It's Orla, isn't it? Because I feel Orla. like you're putting in an extra A, like Orla, where it's Orla. Orla, Orla, yeah. Orla. Just Orla. the way Ah, uh, yeah, I'm see what I'm doing. Fuck! Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all right. From the top. Orla, 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 Orla. Ola, Ola. Mm. He is captured by Ola, Amelia Jones, a feisty Celtic warrior wannabe who idolizes the Iceni warrior queen Boudica, Kate Nash. They are immediate. They take an. Im- oh, from the top, fuck it. Ola, Ola, Ola. Orla? Orla. Orla. Orla, yeah. yeah. He is captured by Orla. 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 Because I, I, I'm, I'm trying not to make it sound Hispanic or a laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's Orla. how I would read it if it's just phonetic. O-R-L-A, Orla. Orla. Orla releases Atty as a show of gratitude. But Atty's... Orla releases... There has been criticism of the show. Yep. Oh, sorry. There's been criticism of the movie that... Um, actually, there was a. There's been criticism of the film where the cast actually have done another movie called Bill, which is about William Shakespeare. Okay. And 
it is about William Shakespeare, isn't it? I'm going to have to double check that. Sorry, quick, no, super okay. quick, super quick. And again, it just would have been really nice to see mm. the original cast. I a think throwback. A throwback. The fact that they are doing other historical shows. They're doing Bill. I know there's a... Um, oh, I'm going to have to stop again, sorry. Mm-hmm. I'll start that again. Extended scene. Hey, Philip. Yes. What have you been watching since our last podcast? I have been watching How I Met Your Mother. Oh, okay. Classic. Yes. Uh, classic and infuriating. Um, <laughs> so... Kirsten and I sat down and just binged it, mm-hmm. and I can see why people got so frustrated with the ending and got so frustrated with this and that. I've heard this, but I've actually never seen the show. Uh, I know of the characters and the overall premise, so limited spoilers, please. Yep. Yeah, so basically, it, it, yeah, it follows this this man who's telling his children how I met your mother, and the biggest problem I find is that. Very early on, so it's not a spoiler because you learn it in the first couple of episodes. Mm. There's this woman called Robin mm-hmm. who is throughout the entire series the will they won't they romance, but very early on you're told this is not the mother, right? Because it's, it's introduced to the children, yeah. 30, 40, 20, 30, I think is the the joke uh, time, yeah. Um, you know. Your Auntie Robin. Right. So she's still in the picture, but not the the love of his life. So there's this whole will they, won't they sort of thing, but you're sitting there going, well, they won't they, because we know that's not the mother. Yeah. Um, And the rest is sort of spoilers, but again, it's Mm. become this well-known sort of ending. My infuriation with it is that it is very good writing. Yeah. Very good performing. Mm. And a very good series as a whole, but... The overarching, the overarching story arc is terrible. <laughs> oh, okay. It's like they didn't expect to get so many seasons. <laughs> it's like they kept running up to this. Okay, well, this is going to be our last season. Seriously, we've got to wrap this up. And it just kept getting extended. There's just so much with it that it's like they know how to write good episodes. Most, you know, obviously a series running that long, you're going to have some duds. But I would say the majority of the episodes are very strongly written uh, sitcom episodes. The performing consistently is on point. The story arc is terrible. (laughs) You, You almost have to watch it in this vacuum of pretending that and again, it, it, it does well to bring tie everything together, considering how long it goes and considering how many times you sort of look at it and you go, oh, they thought they were ending here. They mm. thought they were going to have to wrap it up quickly. But, for example, when you finally meet the mother, you've only got like a season and a half to get to know her and you're meant to have all this sympathy and love and wonderment for her. And you wouldn't have if it wasn't well-written yeah. character and well performed Mm. because the story arc is not long enough for her Mm. and the entire show has been doing this other will they won't they this robin character that you almost feel cheated and every it's almost again especially near the end season almost every episode such a cliffhanger that by the end you're like come on we get it right where we know where this is going Mm. Stop giving us 
such high levels of, ah, what's going to happen? It's like, no, no, we know the answer. So is it almost a bit like Lost when you're watching it? You're first really intrigued about what this strange figure or monster is on the island, but they drag out that one question from multiple seasons. You end up going, I really don't care. Very similar, yes. That's Mm. it. And you end up, but again, it's got just enough because each episode is so good. Right. So better than Lost. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> because the episodes are so good and because the character, the acting is so good. Yeah. You start to not care about their story. Yeah. And just care about their stories. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's quite ingrained in popular culture. Again, like, I don't know much about the show. I haven't seen a single episode. But I know Barney. Yeah. I know, you know, the phrase challenge accepted. Yeah. Uh, you know, all of these different things i know that barney can't take a bad photo mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and, and again all this sort of stuff is just well done yeah. even up to the final season up mm. to, running up to the final episodes apart from the very final episode you do sit there and go they've played this out very well yeah i've heard there is some really clever writing mm. like you've been saying yeah. really in terms of episodic um, mm. narratives yeah definitely but yeah i think they just they needed someone they I think almost the curse of the sitcom is it's... Mm. If you've got a mini-series, you know you were doing two series, uh, X amount of episodes, this is all you've got. Yeah. Oh, it was a huge hit, doesn't matter, that's what you've got. Yeah. Maybe do a spin-off if you're lucky, but that's what you've got to play with. Makes it more special, doesn't it? Makes it more special. When you've got a sitcom, especially with something that end of the day is something that potentially is going to have an ending mm. has a end in sight eventually when you play it out and play it out and play it out it just becomes no one cares Seinfeld works because it was a show about nothing there was no end point it could have just gone on forever because mm-hmm. until people ran out of ideas you know Simpsons is brilliant because it doesn't each episode is essentially its own little mm. universe when you've got something that needs to play on other episodes and come to a point and then it keeps getting extended because it's popular and extended because it's popular, yeah. it just runs dry. Well, especially when a show is titled How I Met Your Mother, it has to um, deliver what it says on the packaging. That's it. You know, and whether you get there in um, one season, you could do it. Mm. Uh, you could you could get there in ten. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I suppose you're right. It depends on what you know your att- intention is. Yeah. Um, not having seen the series but the feedback that you're sort of saying about it is quite similar to what others have mm. said about it. it i think i will watch it one day though it's not high on the list admittedly but you know i think it's come and gone done its time mm. that i can sort of sneak it in without sort of offending anyone <laughs> i think it's similar to the nanny in the sense of the nanny had that end goal mm. fran phone to marry maxwell sheffield and we all knew that was going to happen and we all knew that was going to yeah. happen but the difference here was you're not... Everything in between doesn't matter. It's not no. leading up to that point. No. It might never happen. No, Theoretically, the writers could have turned around and said, no, we're not going to give this to you. <laughs> yeah, it could have gotten cancelled beforehand. Gotten cancelled and beforehand. it wouldn't have mattered, you're it right. It wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. Whereas if this had gotten cancelled beforehand, you, there would have been the whole premise of the story just mm. shut down. It yeah. would have mattered. Yeah. Well, interestingly, Philip, I suppose, you know, you're... you're your feelings about How I Met Your Mother was that it probably should have been a limited series. Mm. Uh, I recently have just finished watching a show 
that was intended to be a limited series mm. and went on for three seasons too <laughs> long. And so I've just finished watching the fourth and what has been said is the final season of 13 Reasons Why. And yep. I absolutely love the first season. Um, it's based on Jay Asher's book of the same title. It follows that book um, closely. It's not a you know word-for-word yep. adaptation. It, it changes it up and takes liberties, but hey, it's, it's an adaptation. That's mm. fine to do. And I would have loved 13 Reasons Why to have just been the single season. Yeah. But it just did so well and had all of these conversations going that it went for three more seasons. Season two, look, not offended by it. It's, it's actually a pretty good season, season two. Season three is one of the most offensive <laughs> bits of television you will ever watch if you are a fan of the series. And season four does a better job at the narrative, at telling a story. But that's not hard to do when you're following a terrible, terrible yeah. season which was season three. Season four did not need to exist, to be perfectly honest. It doesn't really give us anything that we need with these characters. And again, it didn't need to go on for the three additional seasons than what it was planned. So I I would recommend 13 Reasons Why. Season one only. Treat season two as a bonus round if you need it. (laughs) Please stop there, though. Um, But yeah. Did they at least call season two... 26 reasons. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. Mm. (laughs) Well, you know, by the time you get to season four, there's really no reasons per se. (laughs) Well, it's like I've always said, uh, um, 28 Days is great, but 28 Days Later is a weird sequel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've had a bit of mixed feelings about the shows we've been watching recently. But we saw a film today. Yes. So, what are we reviewing today? Today, we're reviewing the BBC's 2019 children's comedy, Horrible Histories, the movie, Rotten Romans. (laughs) 